We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, September the 7th, 2020. On today's show, we continue along with the TSUS season preview series today. I am breaking down the Gamecocks defense as we get closer and closer to kickoff of the 2020 football season. I'll start by taking a look back at 2019. We'll talk key departures, key returners, the top storylines heading into the season, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. Season will be successful if, and I will give my prediction for the 2020 unit. Also, tons of news and notes to get into, including a couple takeaways from Saturday night's closed scrimmage at Williams-Brice Stadium, New Jersey's being leaked, a lot of NFL signings going on, some Luke Doty talk as well, much more to get into there as well. Also, your listener questions, and we have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks tight end Casey Crosby joins the show to talk about his career. We have a phenomenal conversation. Casey, an awesome dude, so sit back, relax, enjoy, take it all in. It's all brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, it's summertime still. I know it's still hot as hell. We finally got a cool crispness in the air on Saturday. Obviously, there was college football on Saturday. The weather got a little cooler. We're going into the fall, guys, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season, baby. Let's go. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more at my bookie. Winning season is all about your chance to win big. Guys, you can bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL, literally anything. There's even more you can bet. It can be outside of sports as well, guys. You can bet on politics if you're into that sort of thing. You can bet literally anything and everything. The craziest sports time of your life is here it's simple, guys. Just make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Listeners of the Spurs Up Show, they're the smartest fans in the world. I know you guys are. Kudos to you. Invest in that. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag, guys. That's MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code GAMECOCKS. Promo code Gamecocks, it's that simple. MyBookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks, and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So let me go back, guys. You get up to $1,000 in free play. So what that means, you go to MyBookie.ag, use that promo code Gamecocks. You put in $1,000, they are going to match you and give you another 1000 to play with. Guys, they're giving you free money. They're giving you more money to gamble with. And guess what? 
It's free play. It doesn't matter if you lose. It doesn't come out of your bank account. It's that easy. It's a win-win situation. There's thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays awaiting. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. So, again, guys, that's mybookie.ag. Use promo code GAMECOCKS. Get up to $1,000 in free play. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie. Let's get it. to wish you all a happy Labor Day as well. Whether you're on the lake, you're by the beach, you're at home just chilling, whatever you may be doing. I truly do appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you all tuning in here on this Labor Day or whenever you are tuning in. But like I said, I hope you're all having a fantastic weekend, the long weekend. I know it's it's very much, uh, very much needed for some. Obviously, it's been an interesting year and obviously interesting last couple of weeks. But obviously, we're all chilling here on a Labor Day. Very, very excited for you guys tuning in because, listen, we are continuing along with the TSUS season preview series, like I said, talking about the Gamecocks defense heading in the 2020 season, which is very exciting because I know we all have big expectations and high hopes for this South Carolina defense in 2020. But again, really excited here on a Monday, guys. I'm really fired up. Obviously, there's some big news to get into as well. But happy Labor Day to you all. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to tune in, especially if you're tuning in on Labor Day, if you're making this a part of your Labor Day vacation experience, whatever that may be, I I truly do appreciate you guys tuning in, supporting everything you do. Before we get into everything, as always, going to start with a few housekeeping items because there are some exciting things that I've into. First off, if you've already done so, thank you so much. Like I said last week, we hit 300 reviews. Now I want to get to 400, 500. I want to get to 1,000. Be sure if you have not done so, rate, subscribe, whatever you're listening to, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Go leave five stars. Go leave your thoughts, your feedback, whatever it may be. And again, whatever platform you're on, be sure to do that. Go leave a review. Again, those that have done so, I thank you so much. And also, if you're not subscribed, guys, listen, we have this week, Monday, Thursday. We have next week, Monday, Thursday. The following week will be game week, and the daily podcasts will be back. So you're going to want to be sure to be subscribed because, listen, These podcasts are going to be firing off, all right? You want to make sure you're subscribed so you get the daily notifications whenever the podcast drops. So, again, rate, subscribe. Those that have done so, I really, truly do appreciate it. Also, the big news, obviously, from over the weekend for me personally, life update-wise and for the business-wise, for the Spurs Up show-wise, we have a brand-new sponsor, a brand-new lead sponsor going into college football season. I'm very, very excited. You guys may have seen my video on social media on Friday which I did not announce who the sponsor was. I'm about to tell you who it is, and you're going to see a promo video certainly this week of me announcing everything, obviously kind of breaking it in. We'll be using this week to sort of get that kicked off. But Overtime Bar and Grill, Overtime Sports Bar and Grill, they have come on as a lead sponsor for the fall for college football season. I'm extremely excited to partner up with Overtime Bar and Grill. They're actually just down the road from Williams-Brice off Bluff Road. They're right next to where the retreat uh, apartment complex is. 
awesome venue, awesome place. We're going to be doing a ton of awesome stuff with them from watch parties to live shows to the beer pong tournaments, the cornhole, they have specials. It, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm very, very, very excited to partner up. The people at Overtime Bar and Grill, they're just awesome. Number one, if you haven't been, the venue's amazing. The food, the, the menu's unreal. The menu is unreal. I ate there on, uh, what was it, Friday afternoon? I ate there. I had lunch. Fantastic. Their drink specials are great. They have a bunch of pool tables, a bunch of TVs. It's the perfect place to catch a game. So, again, guys, as far as just a life update, a business update, I want to say thank you to you all, similar how I said on Friday on social media. But I want to say thank you to you all because, listen, without you guys, without the love, without the support, none of this would be possible. And I'll be honest with you, there was a couple months stretch. They're just like all of us. I mean, I don't like to make it just about me, but certainly there was a stretch there for all of us where there were a lot of questions, there were a lot of concerns. Heck, I thought for a second there we weren't going to have college football when the Big Ten and Pac-12 backed out. I had no clue what the future of the business looked like in that regard. But you guys, the, 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 the constant support, the daily support, listening to the show, consuming the content, being supportive, I truly do appreciate it. Again, you guys are the one that, that you're the ones that make stuff like this possible. So again, I'm very, very excited. I'm appreciative of you guys. And I'm extremely excited to partner up with Overtime Bar and Grill as our lead sponsor going throughout college football season. I'm very excited. Again, please be sure to stay tuned for everything going on with them because we're going to have a ton of stuff going on. It's going to be a lot of stuff centered around live events and stuff like that. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. So again, more details coming throughout this week and obviously in the upcoming weeks as we creep closer and closer to kickoff with just being 19 days away. But there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out with that. So guys, again, thank you so much for making it possible and I appreciate your support. And Overtime Bar and Grill, baby. I'm really excited. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to do so. But I'm very, very pumped for this. Um, also, last thing before we dive into everything. As you guys probably noticed, no Rowdy Rooster Radio really last week for the second half of the week. Probably no Rowdy Rooster Radio this week either. I'm trying some different things in regards to a daily show, a daily stream, if you will. I might move it over to like a Q&A thing via periscope youtube and facebook i'm really trying to get more social media involved and i think rowdy rooster radio is going to have a place but i'm trying to be as efficient as possible so guys just be sure to stay tuned there's a lot of moving pieces there's a lot of things i'm trying out before we get to kickoff um things that i think will enhance the content but hey it's kind of a daily thing right now i'm a big trial and error guy as you probably know i'm a big trial and error guy when it comes to content i like to try stuff out see how i like it see how i like the platform And that's just kind of what this is. So just to let you guys know, probably no Rowdy Rooster Radio this week while I try some and tinker with some stuff. You might see me go live randomly on some days. Who knows? So just be sure to stay tuned for that. So, all right, let's dive into it. Maybe the TSUS season preview series rolls on. We are talking about the Gamecocks defense heading in this 2020 football season. Like I said at the top of the show, It's very, very exciting because this defense, I know we're expecting a lot out of the Gamecocks defense in 2020. Before we talk this year, let's take a look back at last year because it was a very interesting year, a very mixed bag. And listen, I was someone, I was very critical on the defense last year. 26.1 points per game, which was 10th in the SEC and was also... 53rd nationally as far as a scoring defense. The Gamecocks gave up 393.3 yards per game, which was also 10th in the SEC and good enough for 66th nationally. 12th in the league in both rushing and passing defense, and you ranked 66th and 80th in those stats nationally, respectively. So 
when you take a look at South Carolina's defensive stats from last year, they're not great. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. They're not great. However, when you dive a little bit deeper, and obviously for all of us, we watched every single game. We watched every minute of Carolina football last year. I think we can all agree. Because, listen, I was as critical, as harsh on them as, as any position on the field. But when you really dive into it and you look at how last season went, was South Carolina's defense perfect? Absolutely not. There were certainly issues. I think you still had questions at linebacker. The safety position proved to be a liability time and time again, like I've talked about before. But, but this Gamecocks defense was put in some very, very, very tough situations last year. You know, I talked about, I think, on a last week's show. The Gamecocks last year ranked number one in the SEC. And let me pull up this stat really quickly, this key number. 20.31. You're asking yourself, what does 20.31 have any significance for, Chris? Well, listen, Will Muschamp and his offensive staff made tempo a priority in 2019. This comes from Athlon, their preseason magazine. Made it a priority in 2019. South Carolina snapped the ball 20.31 seconds after its previous offensive play. On average last season, fastest in the SEC and quicker than all but seven FBS teams. Now, that's great and everything. When your offense is getting first downs, when your offense is scoring touchdowns, but when you're South Carolina last year and you're not getting first downs and you've got your backup quarterback playing the whole season and your offense is sputtering so mightily the way that it did, South Carolina's defense was put in some really, really, really tough situations last year. And listen, listen, I'm not totally bailing out the defense. Again, there were still some issues. It was an imperfect unit last year. But they were put in some really bad situations. I mean, they got no help from the offense. The Gamecocks defense, especially in the last few games, did all it could. I mean, you give up 20 to App State and lose. The A&M game, you're put in a horrid situation. There's nothing you can do there. And then Clemson, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, the best offense in the country, and again, your, your offense only scores three points and turns the football over and can't, can't get a first down. I mean, there's just not much you can do there. Now, obviously, we know the defense had some big-time performances last year. You think immediately the Georgia game was won. You really stifled Kentucky. You really stifled Vanderbilt. Um, you know, so, so there, listen, there were ups and downs. There were ups and downs. But I think the defense, when you look at the statistics, and we talked about this. I talked about this with Brett Cianci at Pick 6 Previews. We talked about just how middle of the pack South Carolina's defense was in literally every defensive stat. But I think you have to dive a little bit deeper. And, again, I'm almost preaching to myself right now because I know that I've been critical of them. I know I was. And I'm not taking back all the criticism, but – when you do dive a little bit deeper, this defense was put in bad spots. They were put in bad spots, and I think they were a little better than maybe the stats say last year. So, again, taking that away from 2019 going into 2020, you talk about who are the key departures from last year's defense to this year. Well, you got to start up front. Defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw, who is a wealthy man now. Congratulations, Javon. But he is with the San Francisco 49ers. Expecting him to have a huge rookie year, but you lose him up front. You lose linebacker T.J. Brunson, which was a big-time leader on your defense last year. You lose D.J. Wanham, who, guys, we all know the impact D.J. had while at South Carolina. D.J. Wanham was one of those guys where there was a noticeable difference when D.J. Wanham was not on the field. A a noticeable difference, in my opinion. I I mean, there were just so many times where D.J. was out with an injury or whatever it was. You were just missing that playmaker. You were missing that guy. And losing him is going to be a big void as well. In the secondary, you do lose safety, JT eBay, and then back up front, defensive lineman, Kobe Smith. But really, you know, with respect to all the other losses, 
the big three of Javon Kinlaw, TJ Brunson, and DJ Wanham. Those are the big three losses this defense has to replace this season. Now, amongst key returners, you have a bunch of them. Defensive backs, J.C. Horner, Israel McCormick, we've talked a lot all offseason about those guys. DB, Jamie Robinson, who was, who was a freshman All-SEC guy. Linebacker, Ernest Jones, who led you in tackling last year. Defensive lineman, Zach Pickens as well, who will look to break out this year. And defensive end, Aaron Sterling is a guy that's going to have a big year. And I think is a guy that's super underrated, to be honest with you. When you look at the Gamecocks defense, though, um, listen, this is a unit that returns most of, it top, most of its top tacklers. They return six starters, but most of your top tacklers are returning to this unit. So, again, a lot of good talent, a lot of good key returners come back in 2020. Let's go ahead and dive into the top storylines for the 2020 football season. And I want to start with this. and. Listen, we're in a weird year. We're in a 10-game conference schedule, SEC-only schedule, whatever. It's a gauntlet. We all get that. But I've talked about this a lot this offseason, and, and I've tried to make this point over and over again. I'm curious. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on it if you want to respond on social media or whatever you want to do. But I, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on this. Because my lead storyline for 2020 is this. I mentioned all that talent you have coming back and the way that you recruited on the defensive side of the football. And I talked about last year, you know, your defense put in bad positions. It kind of skews the stat. But my question is this. In year five of Will Muschamp, is this the year that the defense takes the next step? Is it this the year the defense takes the next step? You know, we've seen South Carolina have some solid defenses under Will Muschamp, the 2017 defense. I talked about this with Connor Aguirre. That's the one that really jumps to the top of my head. That defense was fantastic getting the ball off of people. But it's like I said, it's been a real mixed bag for South Carolina defensively under Will Muschamp. And the biggest thing is, you know, going into year five, listen, when you hired Will Muschamp, you knew about the offensive struggles. You knew there'd be problems on the offensive side of the ball. But defensively, listen, Will Muschamp's a defensive guy. You know, you expect the defensive side of the ball to have it figured out. And to be at this point, I mean, if you'd have asked me when he was hired, I would say, yeah, going into year five, I think we're going to have an elite defense. I think there will be no question there. Offensively, eh, who knows? But defensively, we should have an elite defense. And I would say when you take a look at the talent on this defense, South Carolina should be one of the better units in the SEC. At worst, top half. At absolute worst, they should be top half of the SEC. And I've said before, listen, if the offense is average to even below average this year, you know what? I know that's the thing Muschamp has to get fixed, but I won't be shocked. But to me, in year five of Will Muschamp, with the talent he has, even when you lose guys like Kinlaw, like Brunson, like Wanham, even with those losses, it will be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp, in my opinion, if this defense is average once again. Because, listen, again, year five, it's time for this defense to become a true strength of this football team. And like I said, especially when you have the guys you have on that side, when you have, I mean, when you have the type of secondary, when you have, listen, again, I know you lose those guys. I know you lose the Ken Laws and the, and the, uh, the Wanhams and the Brunsons, but when you, you've recruited the way you've recruited, you're going to have two five-star starters or at least one five-star starter on the defensive line. You're going to have Jordan Birch, who's going to be, you know, 
be factoring in. They're going to be playing a little bit at the buck position, probably trying to replace the loss of DJ Wanham. You've got four-star – I mean, you've got talent all over the field. You've got four-star recruits all over the field. So is this the year that, again, with all due respect to the 2017 defense, that was a great unit. That was a nine-win defense. I think that's the reason that team won nine games. Is this the year the defense truly takes that next step and looks like a Will Muschamp defense that we all expected? Because, again, I'll, I'll even say this. As much as I hate the offense not being a plus, not being as good as I think it should be, not being an offense that scores 30 a game. Again, you knew what you were signing up for when you got Will Muschamp. You knew what you were signing up for. But the defense not being good, that it's just it's inexcusable. Because like I said, I know the defense was put in bad positions last year. I, I totally understand that, and I, and I totally get it. But I'm sorry, this defense is way too good, at least in my opinion, and it's way too talented to average, to put out the numbers it did, 10th in scoring, 10th in total defense as far as yards are concerned. And then these are the ones that kill me. 12th in rushing defense and 12th in passing? 12th in passing defense with these DBs. It's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. So listen, as optimistic as I am about the defense, as excited as I am, I've talked all offseason. I think there definitely should be a strength. It should be the strength of this football team. It is time to put up or shut up if you're this defense. It's time to put up or shut up. You got too much talent to be ranking that low. Again, I know you were in bad positions last year, but man, time to put up or shut up. This defense has got to take that next step. It has to. Like I said, I think it'll be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp year five if they don't. If we see another, if we see another defense ranked 50th, I'm going to have some major, major, major issues with that because there's just too much talent to do so. In my opinion, there's just too much damn talent on that defense to do so. So that is by far the lead storyline for me. Going down the list, though, another top storyline. You got to talk about the defensive backs. I just preached on them a lot. J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu, are they the best defensive back duo in the SEC? Possibly the country as well. Big year for both guys personally, too, because, listen, these are guys that both have been projected as potential first-round draft picks. Israel McQuamu returns after leading your team interceptions with four. We all know about his big game in Athens, the three-interception game, which, listen, I've talked about this offseason. That's probably one of the most, if not the most, dominating individual defensive performance I have seen from a Gamecock. It's probably right up there with Jadavion Clowney's four-and-a-half sacks against Clemson in 2012. J.C. Horn, a guy, listen, I think he has a ton to prove this year. I think he's got a ton to prove. And I know, and I talked about this when I broke down the defensive backs, I'm as critical as anyone of these two guys. I really am. Because, listen, when you talk the way they do, when you talk, sh when you talk shit the way they do, okay, and I, I give credit to both. They're fantastic players. Both are fantastic players. But when you talk shit the way they do, you cannot finish 12th in the SEC in passing. Passing defense. You cannot. You cannot. But listen, both are fantastic players. I do think this is going to be the year J.C. Horn 
finally gets that monkey off his back and he gets that interception. I think JC is going to finish with multiple interceptions. I talked about these two good dudes, like I said, when I broke down the defensive backs. I think both guys will have great years. But I'm really, really excited to see again. Both should have their best years in Garnet and Black. I, I think these guys should certainly be a fantastic duel on the outside and make it really tough for opposing offenses to get the ball to their playmakers, to get the ball to their, their number one receivers. J.C. Horn is a guy that can absolutely wipe away your number one option. And Israel McQuamu, we've seen, listen, I think J.C. is probably the better, more consistent player. But Israel McQuamu has shown himself as being a big playmaker type guy. He can make that game-changing type of play. We saw it in the Georgia game. So a fantastic duo for sure. Are they the best in the SEC? Are they maybe the best in the country? We'll find out by how they play this fall. Another massive storyline. It's kind of funny. I say that with some irony to it. Um, no pun intended, but who replaces Javon Kinlaw? Who replaces Javon Kinlaw? I've talked all offseason. I, I think that Zach Pickens needs to be the guy. I think he's sort of the next guy in line, if you will. I know that right now I believe on the depth chart you have Keir Thomas at one tackle position and Jabari Ellis at another. When you take a look at the size of those two, two guys, um, Keir Thomas, 6'2", 270, the senior out of Miami. And then you look at Jabari Ellis, 6'3", 285, the senior out of Vance, South Carolina. Now, a guy like Zach Pickens, standing in at 6'3", 300, he's put on a lot of good weight, going to play the inside for South Carolina. But who is the guy? I mean, listen, Javon Kinlaw was your most dominant defensive player, at least defensive lineman, I would say, since Jadavion Clowney, I mean, he had that type of effect on games. We, we saw what Javon Kinlaw could do. I mean, Javon, he showed out against the best competition. You think Alabama, you think Georgia. He made their lives living hell. I know we've all seen the highlight of Javon Kinlaw basically manhandling the Alabama offensive lineman. So where, who replaces that? Who replaces that threat inside? Because it's not a given. I mean, it's, it's not a given. It's certainly a question mark. Like I said, I think Zach Pickens needs to be that guy. I think Zach Pickens needs to be. I think he's – listen, that, that's why you recruit five-star kids. It's why you recruit a guy like Zach Pickens. You recruited Zach Pickens to fill that void. That's why you recruited him. 110%, that's why you recruit him. So, again, will it be Zach Pickens? Will it be Keir Thomas? Will it be Jabari Ellis? Will it be a mixture of those guys? Will it be Rick Sandage? Who's going to be the guy – to step up and, like I said, no pun intended, fill that massive void left by Javon Kinlaw in the middle. Because, again, like I said, last year, you were 12th in rushing defense, gave up 158 yards per game, 66 in the country. That's got to get better. That has to get better. And it's not going to improve. You cannot find somebody to replace Javon Kinlaw. That is for damn sure. Another big storyline. I am very excited, guys, for Ernest Jones. Listen, the linebacker position has been one that has certainly <laughs> been a roller coaster. It has struggled. And like I said, you've got to replace not only Javon Kinlaw up front, but you've got to replace T.J. Brunson. T.J. Brunson, a guy, 77 total tackles for you last year. A leader on your defense, a veteran. I think it, what was it? That was Will Muschamp's first recruit, basically. That was his first recruit out of Richland Northeast. So you've got to replace him. I do feel as good about the linebacker position as I've felt in a while. I think Sherrod Green's ready to play the best football of his career. I think Ernest Jones, I mean, led your team in tackles, 97 total tackles. He talked about in the spring. He said, I am the leader of this defense. I think Ernest Jones is an all-conference caliber player. 
And I'm very excited to see him, you know, Ernest Jones really just to take ownership of this defense. And I think he will. I think he already has. I know he's missed a little bit of fall camp um, with an injury. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Will Muschamp saying he should be clear by September 10th and should be ready to go for the Tennessee game. Now, take that with a grain of salt because I think we've all heard that before. I'm a little nervous about his availability for the Tennessee game. And is he even, if he's available, is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be in football shape? Because he hadn't practiced. But really, really excited. How does Ernest Jones grow as a leader? What type of season does he have? I, mean, I fully expect him to lead this team in tackles again. Fully expect him to do so. So a position that, you know, I would still say there's still the weak link on the defense. I think the linebackers still leave the most to be desired at that position. I think certainly. But I feel really good about Ernest Jones, Sherrod Green, and then that third linebacker spot, who steps up? Is it Mo Caba? Maybe Damani Staley gets in there. I know he's played a bunch there too. So, But I'm excited for Ernest Jones. Another top storyline for me, what about the safety position? <laughs> the safety position, I, might, I mean, listen, the DB, the defensive backs have been good. They've been solid since Muschamp got here. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out what has gone on with the safety position and what makes it so maddening. Because, listen, you, you guys tuning in, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many times have you seen South Carolina get beat over the top? Especially last year. You know, the last couple years. I mean, we see it week after week. Teams that can throw the football and have deep threats. South Carolina safeties have gotten abused. And I'm not going to call it any names for last year or whatever. But those guys got abused. I think Tennessee and Clemson right off the top of my head. I think Alabama. I mean, and those are some of the top, you know, especially Clemson, Alabama. That's some of the top offenses, some of the top receivers you're going to see. But still, the safety position has been a mystery for this defense. And what's so maddening is that literally is Will Muschamp's position. He played it in college. He recruits it, obviously. You would think of all the positions, they'd get that one figured out. But with that being said, the safety position should be better this year. You have R.J. Roderick coming back. Who, Listen, I don't think he's a perfect player, but he's coming back as a junior. He's a hard hitter. He brings that attitude to the back of the defense. At the other spot, now he might play safety. He might play nickel. Jamie Robinson cannot go throughout this show without talking about Jamie Robinson. I'm very excited for Jamie. A guy that, again, will provide that toughness, that tenacity, that nastiness in the back of your defense. We saw what he did last year. I think he brings that Swearinger-esque type of mentality to the defense. Freshman All-SEC guy, so I'm extremely excited for what he can do. We've also heard talks of maybe Israel McQuamu sliding back there, which I don't think would be a bad move at all. Is this the year we see Shiloh Sanders get in the mix? Maybe a guy like Jalen Dickerson's finally healthy and helps out. But this overall bottom line is a position that has to be more consistent. This position has to be better. It has to be better and it has to be more consistent. I mean, it's, it's football. You're going to get beat over the top every now and then. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. But, man, it just feels like South Carolina safeties have been beaten like a rented mule. I mean, really, like, you know, it don't matter how good J.C. and Izzy are. If they can't get help over the top, if they can't depend on a safety to help them, you're done. You're done for. 
Because South Carolina is going to play plenty of good offenses. They're going to play plenty of good quarterbacks. And they're going to see plenty of good wide receiver talent. So if that position's not figured out, you're going to see this defense giving up big plays again. So the safety position. Does the safety position finally get figured out? Do we finally see some consistency from that position this year in year five of Will Muschamp? Another storyline for me, and I kind of alluded to it earlier when I talked about the 2017 unit, but I wrote this here in my notes. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. <laughs> takeaways. That is, the, that is the key word here. Takeaways. You know, the Gamecocks' best defense, I think it was ranked like 25th. I mean, by far the best defense under Will Muschamp. That 2017 team, for, they were phenomenal getting the ball off people. Now, if you want to call it luck, if you want to call it being in the right place at the right time, if you just want to say they were that good, however you want to justify it, that team had a knack for getting the football off of people. And we really haven't seen that since. Not to that degree, at least. We really haven't seen that since. Do we finally see that again? Because, again, I think there's enough talent to make it happen. I think there are enough big-time players on this defense to make it happen. I really, really do, especially when you look at the secondary. Those guys should feast. I mean, really, they should. The defensive line, the front seven, is a strength. They should be getting after the quarterback. I expect South Carolina to get a few picks in the first game. I expect – that's one of my bold takes, too. I don't know if I've said – I expect J.C. Horton to get an interception the first game. You're facing Jarrett Garantano. If you can get after him, rattle him, he's going to throw the football up. I think South Carolina will pick him off at least once. But takeaways, that is the key thing here, especially when you're talking about a Gamecocks football team that, listen, we all know the questions on offense. I've already talked about that. talked about that last week. We know the questions on offense with this team. You need to give your offense short fields. You, you, you need to get the ball back in the hands of your offense. If this team's going to win games, if this team's going to get to five wins or more, let me put it that way. And I said five and five is the minimum expectation in my mind. I think it should be for everyone else. If this team's going to get to five wins or more, it's going to have to be from a defense that's able to get the football off of people. It's going to have to be an opportunistic defense. Hey, J.C. Horn or any other defensive back or any other player, when you get the opportunity to get an interception or a fumble recovery, you got to get it. You've got to get it. Got to take advantage. You don't get many of them. You don't get many opportunities like that. So when you get the chance, you have to make the most of it. So the best Will Muschamp team came when his defense was opportunistic and got the ball off of people and forced a bunch of turnovers. Again, I don't think there's any secret to that. Like, I think this team is going to be a five-win or more team if it has a defense similar to that. Can we finally see that happen again? will be very interesting to see. Finally, my top storyline, or one of my top storylines for 2020, my last one, I want to talk about the young five-star talent. I've alluded to them all show, but the young five-star talent in Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about this on previous shows, but I think that's a huge storyline. How do these guys pan out? I mean, listen, you recruit these type of dudes to be contributors. And I think more so Pickens than Birch this year. It's a luxury for – it was a luxury for South Carolina last year. They didn't have to force Pickens out there. You had Javon Kinlaw. And I think Zach Pickens was a guy weight-wise was sort of in the middle between playing do I play outside, do I play inside. Like I said, now he's up to 300 pounds of good weight. 
He's an inside guy. We know that. And it's, you know, the closer you get to the ball, the tougher it is to play as a true freshman, to play immediately. So those guys in the line of scrimmage, they need time to develop. So Pickens has had his year to develop. Jordan Birch coming in as a true freshman, obviously extremely highly touted five-star player. We all know the story. The luxury for South Carolina yet again is I don't think they have to force him out there. You got Brad Johnson. You got Aaron Sterling. You got Damani Steele. Like, you have capable bodies, right? You have some guys out there on the edge. It's not like Jordan Birch has to be thrust into action, but I think he'll certainly be in the rotation. I think Jordan Birch will be in the rotation. But what, do, what does South kind of get out of these guys? Like I said, that, there's a reason you recruit these top five-star talents. You know, and I know I, know I hear fans all the time, well, just because he's a five-star don't mean this. Or just, I totally get it. But when you're a school like South Carolina and you don't get many five-stars to begin with, you better hit the ones you get. You better hit the ones that you get. I've already talked about Zach Pickens. I fully expect him to have a breakout year, and he needs to be the guy that replaces Javon Kinlaw. As far as Jordan Birch, again, I don't think as much is on his plate, but certainly I think he's, he's going to be slotted as being that next DJ Wanham for you, or even better. I'd say better than Wanham, with all due respect to DJ. DJ was a lowly rated three-star recruit. His other offer was Indiana. We all know Jordan Birch's story. His, only, his other offer was not Indiana right? Big-time player, big-time prospect. So what does South Carolina get out of its young five-star talent specifically? What do they get out of them? Because I think, again, for this Gamecocks defense, to have the type of year it wants to have and needs to have, those two guys, especially Pickens on the inside, but those two guys need to play well. You need to get the most out of your best prospects, your best recruits, your best signings. You need to get that out of them. So that's the top storylines. Let's move into why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. This will be a fun one. Why I think the Gamecocks, if the Gamecocks defense is better, why I think the Gamecocks defense will be better in 2020. And the reason why I think it will be better almost has nothing to do with them. <laughs> it almost has nothing to do with the defense. I think they'll be better because the offense will not put them in a hole will not put them in bad positions, will not put them in positions where they cannot be successful. And there are other factors as well. There are other reasons why I think the defense could be or probably will be better. But I think that, honestly, will probably be the biggest one. You know, I talked about last week on the show breaking down the offense. I kind of touched on this. But what a luxury it'll be for this defense if you finally have an offense. Listen, even if the offense isn't scoring a ton of points, burn clock. Give your guys time to rest, to regroup, to catch their breath. I think if this defense goes out and just plays its potential, South Carolina is going to be fine defensively. But if you're turning the football over, if you're going three and out real quick, you're just asking your def- you're asking too much out of them. You're, you're, you're asking unrealistic things from your defense. You know, if you go out there and you throw a pick and the, the, the other team starts at the 30-yard line, well, I mean, my God, I mean, they're probably going to score a touchdown. I mean, it just – they're at least going to score. Like, you're just putting your defense in a horrid situation. So, I think, honestly, why I think the Gamecocks defense will be better, as long as the offense doesn't put them in a hole, and I think South Carolina is going to try to play more complementary football this year in regards to the offense helping the defense and the defense helping the offense and that, you know, in that regard. But honestly, I think they'll be better just because the offense is not going to screw them over. <laughs> like, that's the best way to put it. 
The offense isn't going to put them in a terrible position. So that's why I think the Gamecocks defense will most likely be better in 2020. Now, if the Gamecocks defense is worse, which I don't think is very likely, but for the sake of the argument, why I think the Gamecocks defense could be worse or why they'll be worse in 2020. And this is really, this is the big thing because this is a question mark. Whether you want to admit it or not, these are question marks. Why they could be worse is the loss of Javon Kinlaw and the loss of DJ Wanham hurt more than we think. Bottom line, if you're not able to replace the production of a Javon Kinlaw, if you're not able to replace the production of a TJ Brunson, if you're not able to replace the production of a DJ Wanham, it's going to hurt. I, I think people don't take lightly how big of a piece, how big of pieces those guys were for this defense. Listen, I'm expecting everybody on the defense to take, you know, from year to year, you expect your players to get better, right? You expect them to develop. But think about it now. Think about it for a second. Outside of Jordan Birch, this is basically the same exact defense you had last year, minus Ken Law, Wanham, and Brunson. Like I said, I think there's plenty of talent to fill those three voids. But if you don't, if you don't, I think you're really going to see just how big an impact players they were. So, again, I don't think the defense will be worse. I really don't. But if they are, I think what we're going to be able to cite is, wow, this, this, the loss of Javon Kinlaw in the middle hurt this defensive line just more than we could ever imagine. Wow, the loss of DJ Wanham hurt the front seven more than we could ever imagine. It hurt the big playability of the defense more than we could ever imagine. And then TJ Brunson, the leadership, his consistent play, stuff like that. So, again, I don't think they will be, but if they're worse, I think that's what it's going to come back to. We're going to say, wow. Those losses just hurt more than we thought. They, they hurt more than we thought we would. And the guys that we were hoping to fill those voids haven't quite panned out the way that we thought they would. So, again, that's why I think that's my take on why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. Season will be successful if. Now, this was a really interesting one because for offense, you know, I had specific numbers and statistics and stuff like that. For this one, it's kind of more vague. I don't really have a points-per-game number I'm looking for. I mean, obviously, I want to see an improvement from 26.1 points per game. I want to see a massive improvement from that. Uh, there's no question. We all do. There's too, much to, there's too much talent in this defense to be getting up 26 points per game. 53rd in the country. Way too much. So my take on it, the season will be successful if, like I said, this needs to be the year South Carolina's defense takes that step from being middle of the pack to one of the SEC's best. And I'm not even saying top two or three, but I think the season will be successful if finishing number one top half of the SEC. There's just no excuse to not be a top half of the SEC defense. I talked to Connor O'Gary. You guys heard that conversation. And he mentioned, listen, there's a ton of great defenses in this league. There's a ton of them. But you cannot tell me it will be a good year if this defense isn't top half of the league. You can't. You cannot tell me that'll be good enough. So I need to see South Carolina's defense finish in the top half of the league, number one. And number two, this was a sort of tough number to come up with because we have two conferences that aren't even playing. But you think, if the 2017 defense 
finished 25th. And that was with everybody playing. For me, this defense needs to be top 25 nationally. I think that's more than fair. I actually had top 20 wrote down in my notes. I'm like, you know what? Let's hold them to the same standards as a 17 defense without the two conferences. So that makes it even more than fair. I'm being nice. I'm being nice saying top 25 nationally. A top 25 defense nationally and a top half of the SEC defense. That, to me, will spell a successful season. Again, I just don't think it's going to be good enough to be 50th or to be just middle of the pack. It's not going to be good enough to rank 10th in the SEC again. It's just not good enough. There's too much talent. And when your, de- when your head coach is a defensive-minded guy and you can't figure that side of the ball out, now we have issues. Now we have issues. So, again, season will be successful. If finish top half of the SEC, finish top 25 nationally, I think it's more than doable. Now, my prediction for the 2020 unit. And I went back and forth on this, too, because I'll be honest with you. I think the talent is there. But for whatever reason, I'm just a little nervous what we're going to get out of them. I'm worried about the offense, too, which makes me worry about the defense. But if I got to make a prediction right now, if I have to make one gun to head, I am going to say I do think this will be a top half of the, D, uh, of the SEC. I, I think this defense will finish top half of the SEC. Again, I think there's too much talent not to do so. So I think it will be top half of the SEC. Where that puts them nationally, I think that certainly will in this year put them top 25. And I think this will, I'm willing to say, I think this should be, and I think this will be your best defense since 2017. Now, will they get the turnover numbers of that one? Probably not. That was an insane year. That 2017 defense, again, I don't know what it was. That was an insane year when it comes to turnovers. So you probably won't see this defense hit that mark, although that would be amazing. But I think this will be the best defense South Carolina has fielded since 2017. I really do. There's just, when you look at this defense at all three levels, you have talent. There's, there's talented players at all three levels. The secondary should be one of the best in the conference. JC and Israel McQuamu leading the way. You know, I talked about the linebacker position. It's been a weakness in the past. I really like Ernest Jones. I think he's an all-conference player. I think Sherrod Green is primed to have his best year at South Carolina. And then you look at the front, the, the, the defensive front. If Zach Pickens can fill in and be that guy, you've got plenty of pieces around him. You've got depth. I think Brad Johnson and Aaron Sterling are guys that are just flat out not talked about enough on the outside. Really, really good players. So there's enough talent here. I, I, I for one, will be surprised if we don't see this defense finish top half of the league. I, I'll just be shocked, to be honest with you. I'll be shocked. So, again, my prediction – Top half of the SEC, best defense since the Gamecocks have had since 2017. And a defense that I think South Carolina listens is just going to lean on. They're going to lean on this defense to win games. They're going to lean on this defense to win games. And I think South Carolina's defense could do so. I really do. I think this is a defense good enough to win some games. I think it's a defense good enough to carry you to five wins. I, I really do. I think it's a defense good enough to get you there. We'll see what happens, though. So, yeah, that wraps up the defense for the TSUS season preview series. Guys, let's move into some news and notes really quickly because there is a lot to talk about. A lot happened over the weekend. A ton. Gamecocks had a scrimmage Saturday night at Williams-Brice. You guys probably saw my social media. I rode by. The lights were on. Willie B was looking beautiful. And 
I know I'm recording this right now, Sunday afternoon. Will Muschamp was actually speaking to the media around 6 o'clock or so, so I'm recording before that. But I won't go into too much because, listen, I, I'll be honest, I did get a practice report. <laughs> I got a scrimmage report. I got a scrimmage report. Don't question. I got people inside the gate. Whether you like it or not, I got people inside the gate. But anyways, not the insider that you deserve, but the one that you need and the one you will get. No, I'm kidding. Um, Saturday night scrimmage takeaways, though. From everything that I heard, and I said this again on social media on Sunday, gun to head again, I'm, I'm Colin Hill's QB1 at this point. I think from what I've heard, you know, heard he got the majority of the QB1 snaps, looked in control of the offense. Um. It's also looking like right now, guys, which I'll go ahead and reveal this, you guys will be very surprised at the running back position because it is sounding like right now, if South Carolina were to play today, South Carolina's starting running back would be Deshaun Fenwick, which I think is going to definitely surprise some. And I, I sort of just assumed Kevin Harris would be the guy or Zaquandre White, whatever. No, Deshaun Fenwick. Right now, I believe, is the starting running back. Now, the number two, the number two back is even more surprising in my mind because it's not Kevin Harris. It's not Zaquandre White. Rashad Amos, the true freshman. So, obviously, position battles are being (laughs) – they're battling. They're being won right now. There's a lot of competition, which is great. Um, We also, obviously, all saw the video of Luke Doty. The, the, the run that he had, I mean, you can't take away too much. It's one play. It's literally one play, but Luke Doty showing off the wheels, looking great. So, I'm sure Will Muschamp will expand a lot more this afternoon. I'll be covering that as well. I know you guys are hearing this on Monday. You don't care about that. But, sounds like some good stuff coming out of Saturday night scrimmage at Williams-Brice Stadium. So, interesting little tidbits. Another big thing that happened on Saturday, as Will Muschamp stated last week, In these scrimmages, the team was going to wear game jerseys. The team was going to wear game jerseys in the scrimmage. You guys can all imagine what happened next. Listen, these guys are in college. They're 18 to 22. They want to flex. They want to flex. They got new threads. The new jerseys leaked on Saturday night. Joseph Anderson and Kevion Mullins both posting to their Snapchat stories, which – I feel so bad for these guys because they are probably going to be running stadiums for the next week, honestly. If you guys didn't know, it's basically like a rule in the locker room. There's a sign that says, do not post jerseys. But I'm not going to not post them, obviously. (laughs) I mean, come on. I got to do my job too now. But the new jerseys leaked definitely confirm that South Carolina are going to have the throwback look across all three colors. I can confirm there are garnet black and white tops and bottoms and it looks like from what I could tell and I was actually told this as well because I know a lot of people have asked does it say Carolina on the front or Gamecocks on the front from what I was told it will say Carolina on the front in the Under Armour writing so we'll have to wait and see I'm sure there will be a reveal soon probably sooner rather than later now they've been leaked but we will get that reveal soon, I'd imagine. But the New Jersey's leaking. I'm a big uni guy. I'm excited for them. Um, a little disappointed that they're going to have Carolina on them instead of the Gamecocks. I love the old school writing. I'll just be interested to see, are they going to do like a, 
are they going to have basically a garnet black and white set of Carolina, like with Carolina on the front, and then they're going to make the black magic throwbacks their own separate thing? Is that what they're going to do? Or how are they going to play this? So, but anyways, new unis leaking. It made for a wild Saturday night, honestly, between that and the scrimmage stuff and just, I mean, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was madness there for a little bit. But, hey, awesome stuff. Love it. Love the engagement. Love you guys interacting, talking about the jerseys. It was great stuff. Um, let's move into kind of some of the smaller stuff, news and notes. Gamecock slotted 24th in the ESPN FBI Top 25. Guys, this is not the Top 25 poll. The FPI, the Football Power Index, something completely different that ESPN does. But, yeah, Gamecocks are ranked 24th. So, whatever. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, Jadavion Clowney signing with the Titans. Joseph Charlton locking down the Panthers punting job. So, great job for those guys. Congratulations. Also, Rico Dowdle making the 53-man roster for the Cowboys. Congrats to him. Um, TJ Brunson making the 53-man. Obviously, Brian Edwards made the 53-man. We all know Javon Kinlaw was going to. Um, But a bunch of Gamecocks doing big things in the league. So, kudos to those guys. Uh, Another big piece of news that dropped Thursday on Will – two things that dropped on Will Muschamp's call-in show. Number one, opting out and opting in. Listen, guys are opting out this year, right? There's guys that aren't going to play due to coronavirus concerns. And I say that as I do quotations on my fingers. Some of them are, some of them aren't. You saw a guy like Jamie Newman at Georgia. I think the reason he opted out is he lost the job to uh, to JT Daniels. Whatever. So be it. That's just the facts of the facts. But – Jordan Rhodes, the offensive lineman, opting back in for South Carolina. So that does help Eric Wolfer in that offensive line and their depth. But what stood out? Wide receivers, Randricus Davis and Ortre Smith, opting out for the 2020 football season. And it, I'll be honest with you guys, when I think of this, it's just really a shame. It's a shame for a guy like Ortre Smith who was a four-star prospect, had so much promise, so much hype, had a good freshman season, has been hampered by injuries. It's, it's really just a shame. It's just a shame. So I think it's honestly two guys that, you know, I'm sure they have legitimate coronavirus concerns. I'm not trying to say they don't. I know nothing about their situation. But I think you'd be remiss to not mention it's two guys that probably weren't going to play a whole lot anyways. And I think they both knew that. and. You know, South Carolina will be without them this year. So, can, can they opt back in? Certainly they can. We'll see if they do. But right now, I, I'd be pretty surprised if they did. Um, last thing really quickly, and something, again, Will Muschamp mentioned on his call-in show, and it obviously set social media on fire. Luke Doty, the fastest player on the Gamecocks team. I mean, listen, kid runs a 4-4. Kid runs a 4-4. Do not take it away from him. Kid runs a 4-4-40. The kid is legit. But I can definitely say that was a little surprising. I was, I was a little surprised to hear that. Out of all the guys, all the skill position players, Luke Doty, the fastest on the team, which I guess now makes sense why Luke Doty is getting so many looks on the offensive side of the ball, whether that be um, wide receiver, quarterback, you know, whatever it may be. We now see why Luke Doty – again, we saw the video of Luke Doty taking off, and you could see the speed. I mean, the dude has got some wheels. So, very interesting stuff there from Will Muschamp's calling show. Let's dive in these listener questions really quickly, and we'll get into our interview. 
Um, Scott W. Lawson asks, who plays with the most attitude on the team? I would probably say Jamie Robinson. I would probably say Jamie. He, he, to me, he has the most swag, most attitude, whatever you want to call it, since DJ Swearinger. And I think he's going to provide that Swearinger-like uh, mentality and that Swearinger-like presence in the back end of the Gamecocks defense this year. I'm extremely excited for Jamie. Um, Jordan Portillo, 93. Biggest surprise player on defense this year. Hmm, that's a good one. Biggest surprise player. Um, I don't know if it really surprised fans, but I think Cam Smith is going to play a lot and have an impact. Uh, I think a guy like Rick Sandage could be a much more bigger impact player than people are giving him credit for. I don't think he's getting talked about quite as much in the preseason. And really, I'll tell you, when I say surprise players, listen, these guys aren't necessarily surprises, but two guys that just don't get talked about enough. Like I said, Brad Johnson and Aaron Sterling, especially Aaron Sterling. I think these dudes could be really good for South Carolina on the edge. So that's just a few there. Uh, Krusty Andy, how significant is the Tennessee players not practicing the COVID? Yeah, so this came up over the weekend on Saturday. Came up over the weekend. Tennessee had to cancel their scrimmage Saturday, basically move it to a practice because 44 guys were out due to contact tracing, I guess, coronavirus stuff. I mean, listen, it's definitely significant. I mean, when you're losing practice time, and thank God South Carolina hasn't had to deal with this, when you're losing practice time, it's definitely significant. No question. How significant will it be really leading in the game? I think Tennessee players will be fine. I think they'll get better within the week. I think they'll get back to normal practice. But, hey, it's just part of college football in 2020. It's what teams are dealing with. But, yeah, to have 44 guys out, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> that is a pretty big deal. So, We'll see kind of how this evolves as we go throughout the week. But, yeah, it's crazy. Um, last question. Ecarch08. Looks like UT practices and scrimmage are shut down. Is that good for the Gamecocks? I mean, you know, if you want to look at it that way, certainly missing out on practice time, you know, definitely doesn't hurt our chances to win the ball game, right? But, uh, you know, it's – you hate to see it. I mean, I, I'm not, like, hoping Tennessee gets sick so South Carolina wins. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, that's a big thing. And I think these coaches are talking about that, you know, being responsible, you know, taking accountability, these players, making sure you're safe, making sure you're not putting yourself in positions where you could get coronavirus. Because, again, you're going to affect your entire team. So, you know, if South Carolina is doing a better job of that than Tennessee, then tip of the cap. You know what I mean? That, that's going to be a part of it this year. So, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly does not hurt doesn't hurt South Carolina's chances to win the game when they're going to have a ton of their guys that haven't practiced. And depending on how long they're out, it could play a massive, massive role in the first game. So we'll see how that plays out. So appreciate the listener questions, guys. Let's move into our interview. We have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks tight end, Casey Crosby on the show. Casey Crosby, what a phenomenal guy. What a great dude. You turn into, And people forget, he got on campus, and I talked about this in the interview, he got on campus, though, way back in 2014. But a guy that went through a coaching change, battled through adversity, made an impact on Will Muschamp coach teams, or made an impact on those teams from 2016 to 2018. Phenomenal interview. We talk about all that more. So, guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends. Again, over at my bookie guys like i said it's summertime we're going into fall at my bookie that can only mean one thing it is winning season winning season means doubling your first deposit winning season means free bets super contest survivor and more and my bookie winning season's all about your chance to win 
big. Guys, you can bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL, everything. The craziest sports time of your life is here. It's simple, guys. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. That's it. Just make picks and win. That's pretty much it. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag. Again, that's MyBookie.ag. And use the promo code GAMECOCKS and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. So if you put in 1000 they're going to give you 1000 in free play. You put in 500 they'll give you 500 It's that simple, that easy. You cannot lose. It's a win-win situation. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays away. So sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, that's mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks tight end, KC Crosby. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2014 to 2018. During his career, he had 39 catches, 377 yards, and four touchdowns. He is now currently the linebackers coach at Oceanside Collegiate Academy, and I must say he probably had one of the more legendary jujus on the beat you will ever see, which we will get into later in the show. Former Gamecocks tight end, Casey Crosby, taking his time to join the show. Casey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, it's a pleasure for you to have me on, man. I was really honored that you wanted to uh, get get an interview with me. I've been very excited about that. Yeah, man, for sure. So, and I, I'm really excited to talk about your career, KC, because obviously, I think when people think of you, they think of, you know, when you really started playing a lot, 16, 17, 18. But you're a kid locally, Bamberg, South Carolina. So you're from the state, but you got on campus all the way back in 2014. You were recruited by Steve Spurrier, his staff. Obviously, you played under Steve Spurrier. Just talk about again. You're from Bamberg, South Carolina. The recruitment process, what went into that? Why you chose South Carolina? Uh, the recruitment process, it was crazy. I mean, the whole – my whole recruitment process is pretty crazy. Just just because as a 16-, 17-year-old kid, you you just running off of emotions. Like, hearing from Nick Saban, hearing from guys like that, Coach Spurrier, hearing from uh, Coach Muschamp, guys like that really make you sit back and like, man, do I want to commit now? But you, at the end of the day, you got to kind of find the best fit for you which who was in my top three was uh, uh, Clemson, Alabama, and South Carolina. I ended up going to uh, South Carolina. It was close. It was close to home. Uh, my dad coaches high school football. Uh, he was able to catch probably about ninety percent of my games my whole career. So that's really what meant a lot to me having my family there for me to see me and be able to watch me play. So that played a big, huge part in it. And then the, the education, the academics, kind of blew us through the roof. I mean, we we started like we got the Doty. And a lot of a lot of guys don't get that that kind of um, they don't get that kind of opportunity to uh, excel in their academics as we did at South Carolina. For sure. So again, you you mentioned the schools, and you were a literally. I'm looking back at the stats from high school. I mean, you were a top ten in the nation tight end prospects. I mean, you were a very highly regarded prospect. But like you said, you choose South Carolina over Clemson and Alabama, which I mean, I understand Clemson wasn't what they were. And obviously, when you committed to South Carolina. It was 11 wins, three years in a row, obviously five wins over Clemson, stuff like that. But um, you commit to Steve Spurrier. Obviously, he's a guy, offensive genius, Hall of Fame head coach, loves to use the tight end in his systems. Um, What was the relationship like with Coach Spurrier? Because I know for some guys it's different. You know, I've had offensive guys. I've had defensive guys. I've had quarterbacks, receivers, stuff like that. But a tight end basically in his offense was an extension of a wide receiver. But just talk about, you know, the relationship with Steve Spurrier, you, you and player to coach. 
Uh, well, with me and Coach Spray, it was kind of a distant relationship, and mostly because uh, my second week on campus as a freshman, I broke my fifth metatarsal in my right mm -hmm. foot. So that really right there put me off for the first three to four months. So I wasn't able to go through camp, wasn't able to go through. I, I ended up playing in the Kentucky game, ended up re-injuring my foot and had to re uh, mm -hmm. had to uh, use my medical red shirt. So I kind of, me and we kind of, and then the next year, by the time it was time for me to start playing, you know, Coach was kind of already right. ready to check out. So, I mean, our relationship was a little distant, but, a lot of the guys, a lot of coaches they had on that stuff, I had great relationships with. Yeah, I was going to say, I wanted to get in the injury history because you're a guy throughout your entire career. I mean, you battled a ton, a ton of injuries. Um, yeah. But like you said, you get on campus as a true freshman, you know, you have the injury. How tough was it, I guess? Because I'm sure, you know, every true freshman, you're bright-eyed, you're excited, you know, you're finally there, you're dressed out, and then the injury happens. Just talk about overcoming that. And again, I mean, there's a lot of injuries we could talk about with your career all throughout, but – when you first get on campus, what was that like, just overcoming that adversity? I mean, it was rough. Uh, being an 18-year-old kid, um, I mean, I'm a four-star. just uh, um, played an Under Armour All-American game, you know, trying to come in and tell myself, hey, man, get it going. You can play this year. And you get there the second week, second week of summer workouts, I break my foot. It's just kind of like I, I regressed a little bit. You know, mentally as a kid, it's hard to tell yourself, hey, man, pick it up. You know, mm. got three, four more years to play football. But it was kind of hard. But uh, I had a lot of guys there for me, our freshman class. And I'm still – a lot of those guys ended up being at my wedding because how close we became, <laughs> you know. And just – that's because we had to get each other through hard times, which mm. that's what I was able to do. And it, and it just kind of went from year to year. Just even with the other injuries, you know, I just kind of go back to my ankle when I broke my ankle. You know, you had Debo with a broken ankle. You had Rico with a broken ankle. You had Bryson was out that year with a shoulder. <laughs> you had all four. You had yeah. four guys who were really contributing to the team all out. So we kind of had to feed off each other, keep each other going, you know, keep your mind there and keep you keep you going and knowing that you can live to see the next year. Now, I, I want to go ahead, Casey, jump into 2015 because, again, I always think it's really interesting to get the perspective from the guys that were on that team. Obviously, we all know what happened. Steve Spurrier, about halfway through the year after the LSU game, he resigns, which it was very abrupt, unexpected, stuff like that. And nobody, I don't think anybody going in that 2015 season expected it to play out like that. I mean, I know it probably had to be tough for you because, again, you know, you go to a school and you expect the coach to be there all four years. That's what they tell you in the yeah. recruiting process. And, Again, it's just something you never see coming. But just walk me through your emotions. You find out the news, and it's it's funny. The guys I've talked to, you know, they're kind of saying we found out the way everybody else found out through Twitter, through social media. Like, we yeah. didn't get this whole announcement to us as a team or anything. But just walk me through your emotions when you find that out. I mean, I'll just ask you and be frank. Was there any thoughts of transferring or like? Because I'm mean, obviously you're losing yeah, your head sure. coach. I mean, yeah. What was that like? For sure. So, I mean, well, for one, we kind of found out. We, we practiced that afternoon and kind of got home, and everybody was sitting around watching ESPN on the boards. Like, hey, man, did you see uh, – they said Coach Perry just resigned. So, like, everybody's texting everybody, like, hey, hey, hey. And then we finally get a uh, mandatory meeting the next day. And uh, he comes in there and lets us know what's the situation. And that kind of went how that went. But, um, I mean, as far as the season, it was, uh, was kind of shaking up at that point. Right. It was just shaking up a little bit at that point. But, I mean, we got we tried to band together and try to finish out the season as strong as we could. But the transfer issue was there. Uh, but once they hired Coach Muschamp, he kind of sat down a, lot, a couple guys that were, you know, kind of in the era of transferring. He said, hey, give me a year. Or give me the spring. And you make your decision after that. Came in that spring. Uh, actually, one of the best springs I had in South Carolina. Um, I ended up getting my, my jersey number changed. So a lot of people don't know that's how, that's how I earned number three. Uh, I was number 86, and Bus um, Champ said, hey, if you can come out and you can show me that you can really play ball, we'll talk about a number change. But as of right now, 
you'll be sticking to 86. And I mean, that that was kind of like, a, you know, everybody, yeah. all, all the guys like those single digit numbers. You're going you're gonna to do whatever it takes <laughs> to get that single digit number. Right. So, I mean, I came out, I had a good spring. And uh, that's kind of what, what gave my loyalty to Coach, um, Coach Muschamp. But now before we dive into that, because I'm definitely excited to talk about that, get your perspective on everything, and kind of, again, I, I would say 16 is where your career sort of jumped off. I, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you, because while you were at South Carolina, and it's crazy, you know, South Carolina has been known for having really elite tight ends. I mean, when you were getting recruited, Busta Anderson was there. and You get there, Jarrell Adams, you have Hayden Hurst, Jacob August. There's a bunch of different guys. Like, were there any guys, you know, obviously Jared Cook is one of the tight end legends at South Carolina that's in the NFL balling out right now. Um, were there any guys while you were there, maybe that played at South Carolina that you tried to model your game after guys that were mentors to you or like that you, you took anything away from their game and applied it to your, to your game? Well, every single one of those tight ends you named, except probably Jared Cook were, uh, very good mentors to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single one of them, even the guys I played with who were my age. Um, as far as modeling my game after, since I was a smaller guy, Patrick DeMarco, yeah. Uh, he, he he was the guy that I, I saw myself being like because he was smaller. He played tight end. He played fullback. He could do a lot of things with him. He could run routes. It's th- it's things like that is who I, who I tried to model my game after. For sure. So, again, look, we go into 2016 or, again, fall of tw- – really winter of 2015. Will Muschamp is hired. You mentioned the conversation to, hey, just give me the spring, play it out, let's see what happens. Just talk about that conversation, just the initial conversations that Coach Will Muschamp had with the team. I've heard different things. That it was Obviously, it was, it was a change of culture, very intense, where Spurrier yeah, was yeah, more lax yeah. and laid back. Just kind of talk about that transition from Spurrier to Muschamp. Uh, well, first of all, Coach Muschamp came in there with the uh, let's change the culture. Because, I mean, our culture, you just lost your head coach. He's been here for a while. He's a legend. He lost him. The culture was down. So, he came in there and changed the culture. We went from, like, in the winter, we, we, were, we were working out at 4.30 in the morning. The workout started at 4.30. So, that was kind of his way of letting you know, hey, the culture's going to change around here. A lot of things are going to change. I'm going to tighten the rings a little bit. And, uh, I mean, but but as far as him giving – he ma- he makes you want to play for him sometime uh, to the point where he he, he kind of – like, the point of letting you go to his house. You know, he, he's a guy who's – he's a big – off the field, a big family guy. He keeps you – try to keep his guys close and try to make it a very family-oriented uh, team. Uh, and, I mean, he, but he's a hard, intense coach, definitely. For sure. So, Casey, that 2016 year, like I said, you're really when you jumped on the scene and your best year at Carolina, I would say 23 catches, 217 yards. You had four touchdowns as well. Again, the tight end was a big part of that offense, an offense that sputtered a little bit early. Obviously, the insertion of Jake Bentley helped a lot, and I'm going to ask you about that. But you get your first touchdown and a loss at Mississippi State. And again, I know the game doesn't turn out the way you want, but just talk about, again, your guy, you battled so much adversity. You battled a coaching change. You thought you might transfer. You catch that first touchdown. I mean, what, what's the rush of emotion like for you after that? I mean, it was a huge rush of emotion. I just felt like I've come such a long way that me being able to catch my first touchdown was – very, very huge to me, and um, I mean, I, I hate that we took a loss. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of hard to celebrate a touchdown when we just took a loss. But just knowing that I was able to score after two years of just right. some rough times, so being able <laughs> to score was a huge part. It's a huge part of my uh, career. Now, like I said, that 2016 year, really, really interesting. I, I thought you guys did a fantastic job getting the most out of what you had, obviously getting to the bowl game. But like I said, starting the year off, you had a little bit of a quarterback battle. Perry Orth and the freshman, Brandon McElwain, went back and forth. And about halfway through the year, you're two and four. Things aren't going your way. Uh, 
Will Muschamp and the staff, really, they decided to pull the red shirt on the freshman, Jake Bentley, who felt like he was in college forever. But <laughs> Jake Bentley decided to pull the, the, uh, the red shirt off of him, a guy that should have been in high school that year. We've all heard the story over and over and over again. But they pull that red shirt off. That UMass game comes up. You have a phenomenal diving touchdown catch, which if you want to expand on that, you certainly can. But I'd love to get your thoughts as well on just what do you think changed from – and it's all due respect to Perry and Brandon, but something changed. I mean, what changed inserting the young freshman? Because, again, I thought you saw a new energy, new intensity. You guys finished the season four and two. I mean, what, what, what clicked inserting Jake into the lineup? Well, I mean, we practiced on Sunday. So, uh, mm-hmm. Jake was the Sunday guy. Guys who didn't play a lot of practice – shells on Sunday mm. so I mean uh, I mean just watching those Sunday practices he kind of made you if you were an older guy most older guys left most some older guys started staying mm. kind of seeing like hey I hear him talking a lot about this freshman you just watch him start taking those steps those steps and hey, they finally opening them up to say hey Jay Bentley you're gonna play this week you're gonna start this week I mean he went out there and attacked it and I because he, he's a very intelligent kid uh, throws the ball very very well mm. and um, I mean he just came in there on the spot yeah, and like I said, that UMass game, you had that diving catch. I'll, I'll ask you, best catch of your career? I mean, that's a heck of a catch. I mean, that's, yeah, would yeah. you say that was the best uh, yeah, catch you ever had? Definitely the best. Definitely the best catch of my college career, for sure. And I, for sure. I, would, I would say you uh, definitely give some kudos to Jake. He put that – He put that That was a dime. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you went and oh, made yeah. a play. It was which, a dime. Yeah, you, you went and, and made a play. I just told myself – and I don't get many balls, so hey, wherever I see it, it's close <laughs> you to You throw it to me, I have to catch it. There is <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts, for sure. Um. Casey, I, I want to talk about, obviously, that Tennessee win, 2016, huge, huge win. Um, first win for Will Muschamp over a ranked team. But, obviously, I think you know the moment that I want to talk about, and I'm sure you got an earful when you got back to the sideline. But um, everybody remembers the juju, the juju on the beat after you score the touchdown, Tennessee. Talk about the play. I mean, it was a great play. It looked like kind of a wheel route where you go up, and, I mean, you're wide open for the touchdown. You're wide open like what, like a 30, 35-yard play or something. But yeah. talk about you catch it, you're going to – again, it's a night game, it's madness, you're wearing all black. I mean, the intensity, the energy, the emotions are there. But you get in the end zone and you do the dance, which you did a phenomenal job, by the way. And you, you, that's definitely not the first time you had done that. Um, just just oh, talk man. about that entire sequence of events. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, now that we're not playing ball anymore, he's a GS South Carolina right now, uh, mm-hmm. Keo Pollock. It's actually his fault because we kind of made it. We made it. We made a bet the night before, like, "Hey, man, whoever scores first has to do some kind of dance." And, and the biggest dance out at the time was the juju on the beat. So I mean, at the time, it was kind of like, as I'm running the route, I'm like, "I'm about to score." I keep telling myself in my head, like, "I'm about to score." Like, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? And I'm looking in the crowd. I'm running to the crowd. I see everybody screaming. I'm like, "I gotta do it. I gotta do it." Yeah, I mean, I knew what was coming behind it. You know, Muschamp gave me here for you know he he gives you that famous pull you very close and does his thing. So, uh, but um, luckily uh, that penalty didn't hurt us and cause us to come back and lose. So I mean, I definitely appreciate the defense on that. So so now we know the truth. It's Kill Pollard's fault. We're we're we're, we're putting yeah 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 Pollard for sure. It's his fault. Yeah, oh man! Sure. Yeah, and you and you. I was gonna say you got some. You got some great FaceTime on ESPN. I mean that that was like all over like the Sports Center top. Yeah, team. it was everywhere. I mean it, it was, was just everywhere. replaying, just cycling. Solidified. Yeah. Yep. Just solidify that as a legendary moment for sure. So. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So again, you go throughout that 2016 season. You guys get to the bowl game. Um, 
going into 2017, I, I want to talk about, again, the injuries and stuff like that because the 17 season was awesome. I know you returned for that year. You had spot duty in the Outback Bowl win, which I want to talk about that because that was an awesome moment, I'm sure, for you personally and the team. But you had the broken leg in 17. Uh, you had – what was it in 18? You had the broken ankle, right? In I broke finger. No. Yeah, it's broken 17, finger. 17, I broke my ankle. Yeah, broke my eight, middle finger. That's right, that's right. Okay. So, again, you were a guy that – I mean, it feels like you broke everything. I mean, I mean like, yeah, you were banged yeah. up in some capacity, it seemed like, those last few years. Just – I mean, listen, when you play the game of football, everybody's banged up to some degree, right? Nobody's 100% late in the season. But, I mean, again, for you, what you had to deal with, the injuries, I mean, just talk about, again, it speaks to your toughness, just how you were able to deal with that and overcome that. I mean, adversity, uh, I really appreciate the guys that they know know who they are. The guys that kind of was there always telling me, man, keep it going, man, because it was was times that I wanted to tell myself, I think I'm going to give football up. It's kind of like a sign. But um, it was guys. I had a, had a lot of great friends there and a lot of great teammates there. Steady patting me on the butt, like, "Hey, man, keep it going, man. Life goes on. The day goes on." So, I re- I really really appreciate those guys who were there for me in those times. Yeah, I was gonna say seventeen as well. That's that's really when I would say Hayden Hurst really came on the scene and became like the dude. Yeah. If you, I mean, he had a huge year, and obviously now. You know, we see what he did with the Ravens. Now he's with the Falcons. And I, I think in that Falcons offense, he is just going to blow up for sure because they use the yeah, tight end a lot. But, I mean, just talk about again. 2017 all over again. Yeah, seriously. No, seriously. I mean, I'm ho- we're all hoping for it, obviously. But, I mean, I know you – Muschamp says it all the time. I know you fully believe in it. Iron sharpens iron. I can imagine practicing with a guy and against a guy like that every single day had to make your game so much better. Oh, his motor is 1,000% every day. Coach, like, I mean, you know, he was an older guy in college, so the coach was kind of telling him, like, hey, Aiden, like, pull back. You you look at his catapult numbers every day, and you'd be like, whoa, like, this kid's flying around everywhere. Everywhere he's flying around. And, uh, I mean, blocking everybody, you know, just – he was that guy with that high high motor. And, like, in the weight room, he would – I mean, when it's time to hit the weight room, he's destroying weights. So it's really to the point where um, – it's really to the point where you just uh, – you just got to kind of model your game after that guy because he works very, very hard. For sure. So, again, I, I want to move forward in 17 because, again, I, I know you had the uh, the injury, but you come back spot duty. I know the 17 season didn't necessarily go the way you wanted, but you get the Outback Bowl win. Again, a, a significant bowl win over Michigan in a crazy, crazy game. Um, I mean, just talk about that feeling, man. I mean, it had to be awesome to be able to say you were Outback Bowl champion. You know, I think you guys, what, you got yeah. the rings probably. I mean, it's – and I, I would say definitely yep. your time at South Carolina, that was certainly a – a high point for you and the team? High point. Yeah, definitely one of our biggest high points. And kind of when I came back, it was more of like not being selfish. I hadn't played all year. Kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm like you said, I was, I'm here for the spot, dude. Let's get a win. Let's recruit for next year. You know, that's kind of how my my mentality was going into the outbow game. I really wanted to get that win, and we did. And then it was kind of like, hey, let's regroup. Let's come back for next year. Let's try to be healthy for next year. That was my goal there. For sure. So, 2018, Casey, again, we've talked a lot about the injuries. We went into depth. But 2018, again, I think you showed your toughness, your resiliency. Um, 2018, you won the Joe Morrison Co-Offensive Player of the Spring. And then also, what I thought was awesome, you shared the Comeback Player of the Year Award, selected by the coaching staff with Debo Samuel and Bryce Allen Williams. And again, you talked about those guys dealt with injuries, too. But I guess to get that recognition for going through what you went through, I mean, again, I know it doesn't probably – you know, erase all of the, you know, how much that sucks, you know what I mean? But to be able to yeah. be like a comeback player of the year selected by the coach, like, 
looking back on it now, I guess, and I'm sure that's something awesome too, is like lessons, life lessons you can teach to your kids you coach now just about being resilient, being tough. You know, no matter what happens, you're going to battle adversity and you just got to find a way to get through it. Exactly. So, for sure. Um, that 2018 year, though, I, just, again, you know, I, I do want to ask you about the injuries. Did, was there anything – do you attribute – is it just bad luck? Because, again, like you said, that 17-year, man, or what? it was the uh, – yeah, those a couple of those years, dude, you, you guys, like you said, you had like five, six, seven top key contributors. I mean, the whole defense at one point is injured. I mean, is it just – was it as simple it just, as bad luck? I mean, is that really what it comes down God. to? I think at the end of the day, it just basically boiled down to bad luck. I, I've never been a part of a team where we literally lost like five, six. Almost, we lost ten contributors one year. I mean, we were, we were down ten starters mm. between offense yeah. and defense. No, so we were down ten starters. Yeah, and it was it was absolutely crazy. Just watching from the outside, you're thinking to yourself, man, like the, the the bug, especially when you guys went to Ole Miss, and it's like it's like there's a sniper out there. Everybody's going down, and I know Will Muschamp complained about the. Uh, complained about the turf which looked terrible grass is coming up everything else um when you look back Casey on your career obviously again I I know things you you contributed a lot I know the injuries played a major role what what do you take away the most from your career at South Carolina uh basically being resilient being resilient that was my biggest thing like I I feel like that's that's my whole time in college is what I've uh something that I really gained. Because, I mean, going through high school, I was always that guy. I was always the guy. And after really – I didn't really go through – I actually didn't go through any injuries in uh, high school mm-hmm. from uh, my ninth grade year to my 12th grade year. I didn't have to go through any injuries. But then, like I said, um, football is the game of life. So, being resilient is something that you need in life. So, that's what I really appreciate. And, I mean, like I said, before I got this coaching job, I was kind of like scrambling around, working jobs here and there, you know, trying to make sure I can still pay the bills and keep everything going. But now, I mean – was resilient. I was patient, and I had this, this job at Ocean Side. They gave me a call, and I'm super happy at where I'm at right now. Now, Casey, like I said, you are a kid from the state of South Carolina, Bamberg, South Carolina. Um, you obviously played in the South Carolina Clemson rivalry, and I know the rivalry didn't go the way you would have liked it while you were at school. But just just talk about again being from the state. Clemson recruited you, being a player in that rivalry, being in those battles in the trenches. I mean, just just talk about what that's like. Uh, I mean, it's it's an exciting atmosphere. Every time you play Clemson, I mean, it's always going to be electric. It's going to be packed wall to wall. That whole week's going to be crazy. You go through everything with the tiger burn. You do all your all your traditional stuff. It's just very exciting leading up to it. And I mean, um, getting out there is all every year's intense. Pre games intense every year. That's just that's just the name of the game. But I mean, um, outside of the season, a lot of guys keep in touch with each other. A lot of guys are. You know, everybody, some of those guys are teammates. Some of those guys play in the same region, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, other than that week of us playing each other, it's kind of just like, you know, mm. I see you I see you in October. <laughs> I see you in November. Big, bigger deal for the fans. Bigger deal for the fans. Yeah, 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 exactly. Fans, exactly. The, fans, the exactly. fans go crazy. Like you said, moving into what you're doing currently, Casey, you're the linebackers coach at Oceanside Collegiate Academy, um, which is awesome. Like you said, we're talking on Sunday afternoon. You said Tuesday you're going to really hit the pavement as far as getting this season and fall camp, I'm sure, going, stuff like that. But I just want to ask you overall, I mean, again, you take you take this job, and if you want to expand on that a little bit, kind of what you're doing. But also I'd, I'd love to hear, like, your goals in coaching. Is it – because like you said, I know your, your father obviously coached you. He was a legendary head coach. I mean, is your goal to get to that point to be a head football coach? What's kind of the what, – what you know, and again, I, I know, you know, 
nothing goes to plan in life, right? I mean, it's all, you know, it's, it's success is not a straight line. It is all over the place, but for you, ideally, I mean, what are kind of some of your goals in regards to being a football coach? Oh, that's my goals. I mean, I want to, I want, I want to become a great head coach, uh, high school head coach. Right now, I was inside. Um, I, I was this tight ends coach. I started mm-hmm. off as a tight end coach. Then uh, we hired uh, Willie Offert. He played in South Carolina. He played uh, defense in South Carolina. Played for the Vikings. Uh, he's our defensive coordinator, and he kind of been taking me under his wings as my mentor. Mm-hmm. And I started coaching linebackers. Um, I mean, uh, I'm very excited about it. Like I, I played linebacker in high school. Super excited. Ready to start a. Um, Really learning from all the coaches that I that we have on our staff. I'm the my actually the youngest guy on the staff, so um, I'm uh, very excited about that. A lot of these guys have got a lot of football under their belt, so I'm I'm all about soaking all that in. Casey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the state of the Gamecocks football program right now. And I guess one funny thing I want to ask you: How upset were you leaving South Carolina right before they released the ops building? I feel like that had to be just a punch to the gut. Oh like, man, didn't I, even get an experience. I was training for pro day. I know it's crazy. I was training for pro day. You know, I would still come up there, and that's why I do my recovery. Mm. Now I'd be at the indoor. I mean, I just walk around and just look at everything. Or something, man. You're like, man, I'd love to spend four more years here. <laughs> you don't have to leave it. Like, if you, yeah. want, you don't really have to leave there, but to go to class. That's right. It. <laughs> no, for sure. So uh, I, w- I want to ask you though, again, <clears throat> you were there in 2018. Obviously, we're coming into a a very crazy year. Conference only schedule. We know what's going on with the pandemic stuff like that. Thankfully. It does look like, and I think we're going to have a full college football season, whatever that looks like, whatever. But we're going to have a college football season. South Carolina kicks off basically two and basically three weeks from now. Just, just talk about. I don't know yeah. how much you still talk to Will Muschamp or the players on the team, but obviously a lot of guys on the team are good buddies of yours. You talked about Keel Pollard's a good friend. He's a GA now. How, how do you feel about the overall state of the program going into Will Muschamp's fifth season? Uh, I really uh, see where he's going. He's been getting a lot of great recruits in, a lot of high-ranked recruits. Um, I mean, I feel like this is this is his time to start actually, show, you know what I'm saying, actually putting those big wins that everybody are rooting for. He's going – and I feel like this would be the year that he can go out and do it and um, get everybody back on board to let them know that, hey, I'm, I'm here as the head coach to stay. Let yeah, I was going to say that they're, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to do so with that 10-game SEC schedule. It is It is – Yes, sir. You cannot hide from the SEC. Yeah, you, it's, yeah, it's going to be awesome, I think, for us watching, for the fans especially. I mean, it's, it's fantastic matchups every single weekend, so I know I'm pumped for it. Casey, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. I'm going to get you out of here. Last thing, though, before I let you go. Um, well, actually, two more things. Number one, is there a Will Muschamp story you can share on the air that's like a funny memory or like from practice, whether it be on the field, off the field, whatever, and then your favorite memory at South Carolina, I feel like I know what the answer is going to be, but your favorite memory at Carolina as well. All right, I'll start with the uh, first one is the favorite memory, of course, is the, uh, the Juju on the yeah. beat. That was, one, <laughs> that was one of the most sick. Yeah. I've never – I've never. I don't think I've ever been a part of something like that. Like I said, it, it went on. Like, I, people will see me and then be like, that's the Juju on the beat guy. You know what I'm saying? They won't, they won't even know – you know what I'm saying? They won't know stats. They won't know anything. Uh-huh. They'll know that game, that play. And uh, one of the biggest uh, – one of the uh, must champ story would be uh, – just probably uh, just how intense he came when we first met him. Like talking to Coach Mustamp in those like little nice meetings, and he's just greeting you. But that first day, he stepped in that indoor and he started doing his the real Mustamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like guys' eyes were just like <laughs> wide because they didn't understand. They were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like this is—I don't think this is the guy that we were talking to Sunday at the team dinner. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, I mean, it's great. That's that's his style of coaching, and he's did, very successful doing. Did it. he ever? Did he ever get into you specifically, or did you avoid that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, no, I didn't avoid it. <laughs> no, I don't think nobody. Avoids everybody that. gets nobody, it. Everybody like, gets yeah, it. At some everybody point. gets. Everybody gets. Yeah, for sure. Even Love kickers, it. it doesn't matter. Everybody <laughs> gets. <laughs> you got to put the pressure on everybody them, man. Gets. You got to put the pressure that's on. That's right. Well, Casey, I really do appreciate you right. taking the time, man. Like, like I said, I, I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans when I can say it was a pleasure to watch you, what you did. Obviously, tons of great memories, the juju on the beat, everything. I mean, it was awesome. And, again, to see you overcome the adversity during your career at South Carolina, and it's also great to see you having success now with your coaching career. And, obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on it. But, Casey Crosby, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. He's Casey Crosby. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.